I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Do you trust what you believe to be true? That's a vital question. Do you, because it's not enough to believe it. Do you trust? Do you trust what you believe to be true? And you believe it to be true, do you trust it? Very easy thing uh, to evaluate because we act on that which we trust because we trust it. And so you just, we just each have to look at our own actions. We, we act on what we trust. And on, on the flip side, we don't act on that which we don't trust because we don't trust it. And so, I mean, it really is as simple as that. But we are warned. This poor gal, I don't know. I, I, does, she's getting ready for a bungee jump. We'll take another look at her a little later. I don't know that she's going to do the jump. Uh, <laughs> we are warned by Jesus' brother James that faith without acts of faith is dead. It's dead faith. Because living, growing, thriving, peachy fruit producing faith requires what Brother James calls for and what I'm calling this morning faith works. Faith works. It's like fireworks. Faith works. And it's like fireworks because without faith works, there's nothing to see. Nothing to see. And there needs to be something to see because... You are the light of the world. Jesus, those are his words. You are the light of the world. You see, a city, uh, what is it, a city on a hill. City on a hill, I was thinking set on a hill. Cannot be hidden, right? Neither, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, that's how you extinguish it. That's how you put it out. No, no, instead they put it on its stand, which in his day was often just an upside-down bowl, like a tiny little city on a miniature hill. And it gives light to everyone in the house or online. Everyone in the house or online. In the same way, he says, let your light, let it, let your light shine before men that they may see your good Deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, that's the stipulation. Don't be doing it so that they praise you. That's the wrong motive, and that's not how we display them. You're displaying the goodness of your Father. You see, here's how it works. When those closest to you, around you, in the house, in the house, when they begin to see the visible changes that He's developing in you, which often shows up in how you treat them, right? They're, they're grateful. I mean, they're happy. They're joyful. And their gratefulness for God's work, even if they don't share your beliefs, but they know your beliefs, their gratefulness for God's work through your faith brings our dad glory. And that is something that dead religion could never do. But just happens uh, quite naturally when a living relationship with the Lord is just allowed to do what it Supernaturally does. Because the law. Ooh. The law 
can never, remember we talked about the law, that's the policeman following you and we often think that's God behind us following us like a cop and no, no, he's the one driving so we don't have to worry about the cop. Just get that back in your head for a moment. The law, the law can never, by the same sacrifice, is repeated endlessly year after year and, and make that, you know, bring that home. It's whatever you, if you're trying to do anything to make God love you more or to get in his good graces, oof. E, that's the law. Okay, and so this is what he said. The law can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship the sincere because those sacrifices, those types of things, uh, they're just a, a, an annual reminder of sins. They're just, they just remind you of your sin. So they're, they're powerless. Day after day, every priest stands, important word there, stands and performs his religious duties. But when this priest, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, well, he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Good morning. Good morning, God's perfect works <laughs> in progress in the house. But you need to persevere. Where are we at? Oh, there it is. We're in the middle. You need to persevere. You need to give myself off. You need to persevere. You need... You can't, you, there, we have a junior partnership in this whole thing. So that when we have done, when we have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised, which was what? Just the verse earlier, to make us holy. To make us holy, that is uh, complete, mature in Christ. Jesus even warns us that, you know, not, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father, you know, in heaven. Emphasis on does. You know, we're told that they shine like the stars of heaven in the house. Jesus' brother James tells us that we must be doers. Got to be doers. Everybody thinks he and Paul have this big conflict going. Well, we've been looking at Paul, and we got to remember not to be overdoers, you know, like the, 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 that Christian circumcision group that Paul's battling, we've been talking about the last couple Sundays, uh, who were teaching the brothers, were told, teaching the brothers, well, unless you are circumcised according to the custom, the law taught by Moses, well, you cannot be saved by faith in Christ. These were Christians. And boy, we've been seeing how Paul's been saying that it's not those kinds of works of the law. That's not what does, that's not the type of works. Said in Romans 4, just brief review, it was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. The promise was of the Christ to come. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. And we looked at this uh, all last week because Abraham was given the sign of circumcision 24 years after receiving the promise, and 24 years of walking according to what he trusted to be true. 
So it comes by, it's not those types of works. So that it may be by grace, Paul says. As opposed to, you know, wages for services rendered on our part. But, Brother James, Brother James says, yeah, what good is it, my brothers? What good is it if a man claims to have faith, has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Is that a saving faith? Does he have faith? Is that faith? I mean, come on, he's saying, okay, don't be an underdoer of darkness. I mean, if nothing's showing. And so he, he concludes, faith then, by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, dead, it's dead. It's like fireworks that refuse to light. Those dudes are duds. Paul says, <clears throat> a man is not justified by the works. Okay? He's not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Ah, Brother James says, was not Abraham our father justified? <laughs> by, you know, works, some type of works. When he offered up Isaac, his son, you know, on the altar... And the answer is, yes, yes, he was. He was justified by works of some type. You see, the two of these guys, everyone likes to point out, it looks like they're disagreeing. They are not disagreeing at all. We're just not looking through the right lens. Because James isn't talking about works of the law. He's talking about works of faith. He makes it really clear. We just got to stop putting words in his mouth. We read, James says, works, and we go, of the law. Goes, Wait, where'd you get that? James is the guy who warns us not to try and accomplish the law. He's the guy that says, you break one, you broke it all. So, these guys are not disagreeing. He's talking about works of faith because, as we saw, Abraham already had faith when he offered up Isaac, his son. On the altar. In fact, it was even already, years earlier, accounted to him as righteousness, like with us in Christ, accounted to him as righteousness. And Abraham already had a solid relationship with God. But God, being our dad, and wanting growth, tested his faith. So that's why Brother James says to us, Consider it pure joy, you know, when dad's involved in your life, when he's making you holy. Consider it all joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You need to persevere. Perseverance must finish its work. You see, there is a work being done after you believe, after you're saved, after you receive Christ. It must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. You, know, you think how soft, how soft and spineless and sad we would be without trials. Very much like confined lions, no room to run and roam and be lions. Now granted, 
That deep, dark jungle is a dangerous place. But there is a deep joy in the jungle you can't catch in a cage. And so after, after we're made perfect by Jesus' sacrifice, we're set as free as we want to be. Can we read that together, please? We're set as free as we want to be. Hey, where's the we? As want to be. Now nah, a bunch of wannabes. <laughs> I've lost the we. We're set as free as we want to be and made fruitful by being faithful, by acting according to that which we trust to be true. That's our faith works. That's our faith, because that's how faith works. Life and death struggles. We hate them. Of course we hate them. You promised, you know, only a couple things. In this world you will have trouble and then you die. I mean, that's, that's, we, I don't know why we try to ignore what God's given us. But it has an unbelievable, incredible purpose. And we go, yeah, but I don't understand it all. And he goes, right, because if you did, it wouldn't be achieving the, the faith and the trust that builds you into what I need you to be. But on the other side, you're going you're gonna to look at it and go, oh my goodness, it was like a Swiss watch. That thing, even despite our sin and darkness and brokenness, it was doing exactly what you, and God said, right, right, exactly what I, yep. Life and death struggles, we hate them, but they drive our faith to depths that are possible no other way. You know how I know? Because if they didn't, he wouldn't let them be. He's not mean. He loves us. We just don't get it because we're little kids. They drive us to depths possible no other way, but only if we act like the believers we claim to be, and trust, and trust our Savior, and turn to our Father. Mary, he's the one trying to bump us around. Turn to our Father for the wisdom to stand strong in the deep, dark, down here. Brother James continues, so if any of you lacks wisdom, you know, he's talking about during the test, you, you should ask God. I mean, that seems simple enough, right? It gets harder. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. So there's no reason you shouldn't go to him because it's a time of testing and stretching and strengthening. Talk, he understands. He absolutely understands because he's allowed it. He understands if you're distressed or depressed or on edge. So, so just go to him. Because he'll give without finding fault. He's going to be like, oh, I don't like the way you asked. No, you're being tested. And James says, and it will be given to you. What, what, the wisdom that you just asked for, the wisdom, the growth that comes from the test, if you can just trust what you believe to be true. And then here it comes. Here's the hard part. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Doubt what? In the supremacy of the wisdom of dad. Because the one who doubts, you know, during the test... It's like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, vacillating. Uh, that's painful, gets you nowhere. He says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord through the testing of their faith. How could they, even though the Lord was wanting to give it? No, he says such a person is double-minded, so 
can't break through. They're unstable in all they do. You know, it's just like, pick a team. Pick a team. If we're obedient only when it's convenient and jump ship when things get rough, then uh, don't be surprised when you end up an emotional wreck. Driven and tossed. The winds. But at the same time, do not think of faith as blind trust. You know, that whole blind faith, I really, really dislike that. That, that name, blind faith. You know, why did Jesus come? To open the eyes of the blind, you just have to have blind faith. <laughs> that don't seem to work. Don't think of faith as blind trust. It is not. A leap of faith is not like jumping off a cliff in the dark, hoping for the best. That's what everybody else has, not us. That's what everybody else besides us has. Jump off in the dark, I hope this is, I just thought of the right thing to believe. That's not what we have, no, no, at all. For us, it's, it's like bungee jumping. It's like bungee jumping. Jesus came to give sight to the blind. He wants us to take a good look before we leap because of what faith really is. Faith is a determination to trust and to do what you know to be true, despite how you feel. Because even after examining the apparatus, I mean, look at her eyes. I don't know if she's jumping. Even after examining the apparatus, getting securely strapped in, it still requires jungle lion courage to take that eyes wide open leap of faith into the deep, empty space and hope that that thing that's got hold of you is going to hold. That's what faith is. But here's the thing. If you call yourself a believer, or let's say if you call yourself a bungee jumper, if you call yourself a bungee jumper, and maybe you've even taken a little class and taken a little lesson right before the plunge, but you've never actually jumped. You've never actually tried it. You know, the whole just all in. You can't really call yourself a bungee jumper. This is James' point. You're a jumpy. You're like a cagey, untrusting, jumpy wannabe. <laughs> You're kind of jumpy. So here's for us now. If, if you've examined and embraced God's love and grace, well then, it's high time to act according to what you believe. Or at least stop telling yourself you trust something you obviously don't. Or at best, you know, trust. <laughs> trust in a double-minded, kind of wishy-washy sort of way. Just be honest with yourself. Don't, don't calibrate your convictions by your surroundings, by what's going on. No, no, that's all wrong. Calibrate your courage. Calibrate your courage according to the cross. Because if you really believe, and you really believe what Christ accomplished on the cross... And the power and authority he displayed over the grave and the promises, oh my goodness, the, the, just the promise that he made to give us eternal life when we inevitably die down here. If you really believe it, why wouldn't you take the leap and let your faith stretch? <laughs> Abraham's leap was based on what he knew to be true. He is a base jumper. 
<laughs> His leap was based on what he knew to be true. And here's the proof. It's in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, uh, where we had offered Isaac as a sacrifice. You see, he who had, did I read that right? When God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, period. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. You know, really get this through your head. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Eyes wide open. But, ho ho, Abraham reasoned. It wasn't no blind, I don't hope this works. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And he didn't even have, he didn't even have the confirmation of the cross. And that's why God calls him the father of our faith. I mean, my goodness. Okay, because, well, you could raise, I mean, you're God. According to James, talk is cheap, but each choice we make to do what's right in spite of emotion, condition, or situation will absolutely display a deep love and trust in the God who has saved us and is now making us into something, something more mature than we were when he found us. So the thing is, we can't talk our way to heaven. We've got to jump. We've got to jump. As James points out, if faith was merely a matter of intellectual recognition and not gratitude-motivated faith works, even the demons would be saved. This is a real funny point he makes. I mean, it's a true point, but it's, it's, it's humorous comparing us to the demons. He said, you have, you have faith and I have works. Uh, think of fireworks. You know, it's like, hey, we both come out. You know, your kids. I mean, hey, look at these fireworks. And yours looks like it already, like you picked it up off the road, like it already got spent. Nope, it's good. You got one too. Uh, yeah. Why don't we light them? I mean, I'll show you mine by what it does. And you're just going to tell me you, yours does that. So put that in your mind as he says, you have faith and I have works of faith. Show me your faith you know, without the, the work, without the faith works. And I will show you my faith by my faith works. Because they shine. They shine the signs of my growth. And they light up the world. And they bring glory to God. This has absolutely nothing to do with earning salvation with works of the law, but everything to do with displaying trust with acts of faith. He says, you believe, <laughs> okay, you believe that God is one, okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You do well, he says, you do well. That's great, you believe. You believe the right thing. But have you read much about Jesus, especially the parts where he casts out the demons? You remember? <laughs> the demons also believe and shudder Remember that? And I like, I didn't make up this line, but I like it. The prince of darkness is many things, but he ain't an atheist. <laughs> no, he looks at those guys and goes, oh my goodness, those dudes are nuts. He knows. 
He knows it to be true. He just can't stand it. He doesn't like that light. And James says, I mean, this is his point. It's kind of funny. That we're, we're pretty much neck and neck with the demons until, until we truly receive salvation by Dad's grace through our faith in our Savior's sacrifice and then begin to act according to who we claim to trust. So pick a team, pick a team. Commentators, oh my goodness, commentators talk about Paul and James like they're adversaries on faith, grace, and works. I, I think they're a tag team. I think their stuff just lines up perfectly. I'll tell you, they are sure on the same page when it comes to salvation by God's grace through Jesus' sacrifice producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Brother James, we talked about Paul and his fruit of the Spirit. Here's what Brother James writes. The wisdom that comes from heaven, you know, when we talk about the thing, when, we, when you lack it, ask for it. So when we lack it, ask for it without doubting during a time of testing. It's uh, first of all, pure, not double-minded. It's like pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, which he doesn't define because he doesn't need to because Paul already did it in his letter. And so he says, and that good fruit, you know, which Paul lists is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can only complete Brother James' thought if you put it together with Paul's. Paul makes it clear to the Ephesians that he and Brother James are in absolute agreement. He marries it all together with a simplest statement. He says, because he's got like the first half is the Paul line and the second half is the James line. He says, okay, for it is... You know, I'm right here. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. But remember now, by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So, also, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works of faith. Like Brother James says. Salvation is kind of like a tree, kind of like a tree of life that we allow Jesus to plant in our heart. It's not for sale. Couldn't afford it if it was. So he only plants it for free, which means our only part in the initial, that, in, that initial uh, pro process, that first step of salvation, our, our only part is to accept it or reject it. But once it's planted, it begins to grow, demands to grow, wants to grow. But this is the simplest way I can put this in, I don't know, what other, other people can make so complex, but I, I like this. The fruit doesn't produce the tree. The tree produces the fruit. Let's read that together. The fruit doesn't produce the tree. The tree produces the fruit. He plants the tree in your heart. And the tree produces the fruit. But the yield... The yield depends on yielding our hearts on an ongoing basis to our master gardener. Therefore, says Brother James, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, especially when times are tough and your faith is tested. Because that's how dad is making us holy after getting us saved. Anyone who listens to the word, he's talking about believers now. 
Time of testing. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, you know, seeing uh, what needs some tending to, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, like, oh yeah, I had some dried blood here. I guess I nicked myself shaving and a big old white head on my forehead. And it's like, he sees it and then he walks away. He forgets. And he's just like, hi everybody. And they're like, oh, yay. And he says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law is perfect because now Jesus is driving. And so now we don't have to worry about it. Now it can just help guide us. It guides the perfected to further growth when trusted and acted on. And so he says, when you look into that perfect law that gives freedom, it's like the mirrors in your lady's restroom, you know, the magnifying mirror that looks intently in that thing and goes, oh my, let's take care of that and let's wipe that up. That's, that's what it's like, he says. It's just, and continues to do this, you know, just like every morning, look at your face in the mirror and take care of what needs taken care of. Not forgetting what he's heard, because we're actually talking about the word of God changing us. But doing it, because he's trusting it, he'll be blessed, further blessed, she'll be blessed, further blessed in what he does. And God will be further glorified because a faithful heart can't help but start to grow in fruitful works of grateful obedience. So let's all just decide. This is his place. It's our church. We're a family. We'll encourage each other. Let's just make the decision to begin to do what we trust to be true. Take the leap that comes after the faith and watch that little tree blossom and grow like a firework show. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and worship you and we are just determined to trust and to do what we know to be true. So we ask you to drive our faith to its greatest depth yet. Holy Spirit, calibrate our courage, please, according to the cross, and empower us to persevere. Lord Jesus, thank you. We praise you. And we leap confidently into your open arms. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make His face shine upon you.